1: All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, you know, there have been a lot of um, events going on in the last few days uh, for Holocaust Remembrance Day yesterday, and um, it occurred to me that so much of the way a lot of people think of the Holocaust is that it's something in history, something in the past, never again. Um, and yet, what people don't seem to pay enough attention to is that there are people living today um, who, well, who were direct victims of the Holocaust, first of all. And, um, Fine. and also okay. people who, um, uh, whose parents and grandparents, uh, were involved in the Holocaust, and they are suffering too. So today's show is called The Holocaust, Not a Thing of the Past for Victims and Their Families. And I have two guests to talk about this topic from somewhat different perspectives. Um, first of all, Leonia Kallier Kurgan who is a Holocaust survivor in the sense that she was four years old when the Holocaust came to Poland and her family fled. And she wrote a book about this, about her story, called A Crowd of One. She is currently a psychoanalyst and psychodramatist in private practice in Santa Monica, California. She was also an interviewer for the Steven Spielberg Project, Survivors of the Shoah Project. This was uh, Well, she'll tell you all about it, but it's a project where people who were in the Holocaust uh, were interviewed to tell their stories. And the point of that was, uh, for those people who still want to insist that the Holocaust never happened, um, these people, before they died, told their story so that there was uh, an actual uh, living, so to speak, remembrance of these people's stories and obviously uh, the truth of the Holocaust.
0: And also okay.
2: um, today, uh, I, we have Susan Edel. She is uh, with the. Okay. She is with the tracing department um, of the Magen David Adom. Uh, that's, a, that's a department in that is connected with Magen David Adom, which is essentially the Red Cross of Israel, and their special tracing department. Reunites people, particularly people from the Holocaust, with their other family members, since uh, families were mostly dispersed between um, uh, the camps and people who managed to uh, get to be somewhere else, get got to leave Germany or whatever whatever country was being invaded by the Nazis. So, are you both? Are you both there? Susan is in Geneva, actually, at this time. We're on a cell phone in Geneva. That's why things are a little tough. And she is working, <laughs> trying to reunite a family. Um, but Matt, my, my wonderful wizard of a producer, is going to get her back on the line, and maybe she can find a landline where she is. And if not, maybe she can find a better spot where her cell phone works better. In the meantime, could you please get Leonia back on? Hello. Okay, great. Leonia. (laughs) Okay. Did you hear me introduce you? No. Oh, okay. Well, we'll do it again. Leonia Kellier-Kurgan is a Holocaust survivor, first of all. Uh, She was four years old when the Nazis invaded Poland, where she was living with her family. And she is currently a psychoanalyst and psychodramatist in private practice in Santa Monica, California, she was also an interviewer for the Steven Spielberg Survivors of the Shoah Project, and I was describing what that was, which was a, basically a narrative history of survivors of the Holocaust, so that for those people who still insist <laughs> that the Holocaust didn't happen, um, uh, which of course is a very anti-Semitic uh, political view to take, um, that... Um, that There is this project, and you'll tell us about that project too, but the main thing is um, that Leonia has written an amazing, amazing book. I read it. It kept me up because I couldn't put it down. <laughs> I started to read it before I went to sleep, and I, I couldn't stop. Um, it's called A Crowd of One, and it is her story of um, her, her family in Poland. It starts right before they, the Nazis invade Poland and where they have to leave and go on a journey to find some kind of land where there is security and to rebuild their lives. So, Leonia, why don't you start and um, tell us about how, uh, what made you write this book and what you based the book on and so on. Um, Well, uh, uh, I started off uh, by joining a
3: writing group. Uh, um, I met him at the, you know, they have this, um, every year they have a book fair, and I took a uh, writing class with Bruce Bowman, and I started writing essays. And then gradually I realized that there was a book here that I wanted to write. And I called it The Crowd of One because, we were a group of 10 people, but I was very lonely, and in my introduction, I write, it's just two short pages, and I wonder if I can read it, because it gives an introduction to a lot that is in the book, because I don't want to give away the story, I want you to read the book.
2: <laughs> well, so, yes, so we do, we would like to hear some of the story, but go ahead. Okay, so,
3: I, I, I'm, and this is the introduction, Twenty of us sat, eyes closed, in chairs pulled into a circle. It was our third week of voluntary training at the suicide center in Cape Town, South Africa, and our leader had asked us to imagine ourselves at age 10, eating dinner with our families. As if watching a movie, I saw my parents and 14-year-old sister in the dining room, sitting around a round table of dark Cape Stinkwood. My parents were discussing a party they had gone to the previous evening, who was dancing with whom, whether my mother had been the most sought-after partner. My sister chattered, though I could not hear what she was saying. She addressed her conversation to our mother, seemingly unaware that Mama paid no attention. No one noticed me running alone around the perimeter of our dining room, my head bent as I looked at the ground and silently cried. Seeing the scene in my mind's eye, I wept. Why did my 10-year-old child's self look so heartbroken? The sight of her so unexpected and disturbing was my first adult stirring of the deep and largely unexamined effects of an upheaval that had come long before me. Before, my family's fourth journey halfway around the world, which began in September 1939, when I was four years old, when World War II reached our door in Poland. Drawn to the image of that sad girl running, I began to sense the threads of a story that had lived beneath our family's well-defended saga of resettlement and resilience. I began to trace these inklings for myself. In 1977, I enrolled part-time at the University of Cape Town and began a long period of study that led me to become a psychoanalyst and a psychodramatist In the U.S., this book is my way of tracing after shocks in the life of a Jewish family that miraculously managed to escape Europe before being herded into a cattle car leading to a concentration camp. For many years, I've asked, "What comes after the miracle for a displaced child as she grows into adulthood? What secrets did my family's trauma shake into the open, and what took root in the confusion?" What craziness was always ours and what belonged to the war? I found my answers in dream and story and memory, and most fortuitously, in a series of diaries my father wrote in Polish between September 1939 and the late 1960s. After my father died in 1973, my mother began translating the journals into English, Although it took me many decades to begin to absorb all the above, I see in them now the currents, internal, inherited, and imposed, that have shaped our family over generations. Of particular interest to me is the soul of the child I was and the woman I have become. When we left Poland, I longed for my German governess, Truda, who had cared for me with love and blessed me with her Catholic prayers. For a time after we fled, I comforted myself by talking and confiding in my Jewish God when I, when I lay alone in my bed at night. But after the war ended and we discovered that my cousin Andrew's maternal grandparents had died in a concentration camp, and more importantly, Aunt Teresa, my, my father's sister, and her husband disappeared, and we still have no reliable information as to what happened to them. I no longer spoke to my God, or anybody else's for solace. The si- I'm nearly finished. The silence left a hole in me that only began to mend when I visited Poland in 1995 and then again in 2014. I felt a startling affinity for the country in which I'd been born, its soft, melodious language, the smell of the trees in the woods, the food i had so enjoyed, and the sense that, that history, that the histories of Roman Catholic Poles and Jewish Poles remain inextricably bound as mine is to Truda, even as our lives are wound up in our separate fates. What happened during the shore does not have to alter my early faith in the presence of the divine. I realize after all this, I can tell the sad girl running unseen and lost, you can, you will, find your way home. The path, my path, is in these pages, my book.
2: Well, that is so beautiful, and that's uh, really a a uh, a glimpse into the beauty of the writing and the story that uh, lies ahead in the book so um uh, what when when did you, what do you do I, I wonder how for example yesterday was um, uh, the the holocaust remembrance day what kinds of memories did that bring up for you? I mean, what did you think about yesterday?
3: Well, I, it's funny that you should ask me that, but I'm reading a book called, um, uh, it's about lost voice, I'm, I'm attending a course at um, the Colburn School of Music and it, it's about a, a, a man who led an orchestra during uh, in Auschwitz during the war mm. and how he survived and the story is about the, the Nazis, their love of music, and that at the same time as they loved music, they were herding people into gas ovens. Wow. And it, it, it boggles my mind that the two can go together. Many times the, the, the book describes how people were marching to the, to the, uh, govern, to the uh, gas ovens to be killed. And at the same time, they were listening to this music
2: from mm. a Polish
3: man who was a composer and who led this orchestra in the camp. Huh. It, it's mind-boggling, really. And I was thinking about that, and now sad, and that the world has to change. And it's yes. happening now, you know. Uh,
2: it has to change.
3: Something has to change in human beings.
2: Yes, we're having... Uh we're having the the new terrorism, the new yes, uh, Nazism is yes, terrorism. And, you know, it, it's just terrible. Um, did you just an aside, one thought as you were saying about the music? Did you happen to see the movie, The Zookeeper's Wife? Yes, I did. I did. Yes, wasn't did. that amazing?
3: Yes, it is amazing. And those were, that was a Christian couple who saved so many Jews. And in Poland, and, you know, Poland has always been gotten such a bad rap about all the terrible things they did, but per capita, they saved more Jews than any other country. Yad Vashem has facts to verify that.
2: Hmm, hmm. Well, yeah. you know, early on in the movie, there's that scene where um, the Nazis uh, set off bombs, And the zoo, this beautiful zoo, right before this scene, there's a scene of a beautiful day at the zoo, and people are coming in, they're dressed so nicely, and they're so genteel, and everything is just so lovely, and all of a sudden, the zoo is blown up with with Nazi bombs. And what occurred to me was, and then, of course, the animals, because the uh, cages were all blown up, uh, the animals got loose, and they were running around, and a lot of them died, were killed, and all of that. And right in that scene, it occurred to me how uh, it was really the Nazis who were the animals. And these animals in the zoo were so innocent and, uh, and now homeless and, and sad and injured and, and dead. And, yes. you know, the whole thing um, it was really reversed. It's the Nazis who were the animals.
3: Yes, in, yes. In some funny way, it was. It was. It was a very good movie. It was very well, well done.
2: And and a true story. I, I want to encourage all my listeners to go see it. It's a true story. And, and to read uh, the
3: book. The book is better even than the movie. It's, it's a mm, wonderful book.
2: Mm, mm. Yes,
3: and and it speaks to to how good and kind some people are.
2: Yes, how this couple, the, the hmm. zookeeper's wife and the zookeeper, yes. uh, risked their lives uh, to, um, to save Jews in the camps.
3: Yes, and the lives of their children. I mean, that's no easy task
2: to do that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
3: You know, I, I, when, I, uh, when we escaped from Poland, we went to South Africa, where, in a way, it was a similar situation, except now, being white, we were the victimizers instead of the victims, mm. the black people, and the terrible things that were done to them. I mean,
2: really, mm. it's,
3: it's, it's it was yes. like going from the, the, the frying pan to the fire.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Well, that music uh, signals that we need to take a break. Um, My guest, again, is Leonia Kalir-Kurgan. Her book is called A Crowd of One. We're going to continue talking with her, and we're going to continue on with the show, The Holocaust, Not a Thing of the Past for Victims and Their Families. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times, www.drcarol.com. The latest business
4: information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics. Strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America Business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about the Holocaust, not a thing of the past for victims and their families. And um, my inspiration for this was, of course, of course, yesterday being Holocaust Remembrance Day and my sense that a lot of people think of the Holocaust as, oh, yes, that was something that happened in the past and not realizing how much pain families are still in because of the scars of the past. Um, people who were literally in the Holocaust, like um, my first guest, uh, Leonia Kurgan, who is the author of a book called A Crowd of One, and, um, my next guest is also, um, very much connected in a, on a daily basis. In fact, right now she's in Geneva, and that's why we had a little bit of a problem, uh, con- with the connection. But she's in the process of doing her job, which is, um, a very, a very, uh, I'm sure a very, um, fulfilling job, and that is working for the tracing department of Magenda Vida Dome, which is the Israeli Red Cross. And um, uh, Susan, just FYI, um, I am on the board the, in Los Angeles. I'm on the board of Magenda Vida Dome. And uh, I'm very familiar with the, all the wonderful work that it does. But you can, <laughs> you can certainly share that, and particularly in regard to the tracing department. And actually, what made me think about this, um, having you on, was the, a video that I got yesterday because of being on the mailing list for Magenda Gendavita Dome of um, an uncle or a man and a woman who were reunited and it was a man who was essentially like this woman's uncle um, and they had been had had lost contact never been in contact because of the Holocaust. Do you know the video I'm talking about?
5: I don't know the specific video you're talking about, but I have other cases I can tell you
2: about. Yes, I'm sure. Okay. Well, tell us about, why don't you start off by just telling us in general an introduction to the tracing department and what it is that you do. Um, I'm
5: in, I am volunteer in the tracing department and restoring family links department of Magenda Vida Dom. It's... Uh, one of the humanitarian activities that Magenda Vidadom carries out apart from its ambulance and blood services. Um, uh, Magenda Vidadom became a full member of the International Red Cross in 2006 and our unit was set up in 2008 although in previous years there had been tracing in Magenda Vidadom, but now it became part of the Red Cross and it, it became more more important, not important but but it became more organized. Um, we try to help people find out about their families that whose fate is unknown or with whom they've lost contact because of war or because of disasters or emigration. and we we try and find out any information we possibly can, whether it's to find living members of family or the fate of families, documentation. Whatever we can do, and we we are helped by all the Red Cross societies all over the world, the International Tracing Service, many other archives, the International Red Cross, obviously, Yad Vashem, wherever we can possibly find some information. People approach us from, from all over Israel, and we get requests from all over the world, requests from abroad usually have to come through the Red Cross Society where the person is living and then they forward the, the request to us. Um, we, we do what we can to help people especially Holocaust survivors find out what happened to their families and if possible find them living members of family who, who are willing to be in contact
2: And what was it that got you to be particularly interested in this, to be devoting yourself to it? I was always interested in my own family
5: history, my own family genealogy, and uh, there were people in Magenda Vidadom who knew that I was interested in this. I started off as a medic in in Magenda (sighs) Vidadom. And later on, I I joined the tracing department. And ever since, about the last eight or nine years, I've been busy trying to help Holocaust survivors, mainly Holocaust survivors.
2: And tell us about some of the interesting families that you've been able to put together. I've been able to put uh, together
5: about seven sets of siblings or half-siblings, Um, one of my first cases was the case of uh, a request from Australia where the, the lady in question was looking for information about her parents and her family she wrote to the International Tracing Service in Germany and they wrote to us because they found the brother on their files who in the 1950s had actually asked the same sort of question about his parents and his sister but they couldn't find him, so they thought because he lived in Russia, maybe he had come on Aliyah to Israel. And I actually found the man's son and spoke to him, and he told me his father was still alive in Moscow, and oh. we managed to put a, brother and sis, proper, a real natural brother and sister together who hadn't seen each other in, in 65 years. Oh, one no. in Moscow and one in Australia, and he went two months later to Australia to
3: see his sister.
2: Oh, what a wonderful! Um, what, I, I get yeah. chills. I got chills just listening to you tell that story. Um, did were you? Did you go there to Australia? Or no, you... I didn't go to Australia. But I had
5: another case last year on Holocaust Remembrance Day in Israel. Um, a lady got up at the end of the ceremony in Yad Vashem to speak in the name of the Holocaust survivors, and she introduced herself as Zahava from. The Broadman family from Novi Vizhnitz in Poland, and a woman living up north in Israel, Yafa, heard her speak and said, But my father was also Broadman, and he also came from Novi Vizhnitz. Maybe we are family. And we were approached and Yaffa up north was four when her parents were taken away, when they were deported from Brussels. She was put into care in a Jewish children's home and later in a a non-Jewish family. She never even knew the name of her grandparents. We approached the Belgian Red Cross, who, after a very short time, sent us information about Yaffa's parents and the names of her father's parents, her grandparents. With that information, we approached Zahava, who confirmed that her grandparents were the same people, which means that the two fathers were actually brothers. They were Yaf and Zahava, are first cousins. They had never known of each other's existence. Hmm. They both thought they were the only survivors of their father's family. Huh. And they, I was at their reunion, which was very, very emotional.
2: Oh, Wow. I know. Yeah. In this, uh, the one that I saw on the video, it was just, they couldn't stop hugging each other. It was and crying. It was uh, beyond words. Right. I mean, do right. you try to um, like, for example, when there's a reunion in Australia, do you try to get somebody to um, to videotape these? Unfortunately, that
5: was one of our earlier cases, and we we didn't manage to do it. But now we do try and and get somebody to to video or to photograph the meetings, yes, definitely, because it's very important that people should know, that people should have hope, that that we can still find family and we can still help people to find out what happened.
2: Yes, and let me, um, I was reading an article in which you were mentioned, uh, Susan, it was in, let's see. It was um, Special MDA Tracing Unit Operates to Restore Family Ties Broken Off in the Holocaust. It was in the Yeshiva World News, and um, they gave statistics. Since Holocaust Remembrance Day of 2016, so in other words, a year ago, 145 yeah. new requests have been filed to MDA. Right, And then since right. the unit was established in 2008, 3,521 cases have been researched, and in most of them, uh, some, it's some. The unit has succeeded in reuniting family members of a certain degree, or retrieving documents disclosing their faith. I mean, what does that mean? Documents disclosing their faith. That means that the
5: family asked us if we could find out anything about what happened to members of the family. They did not always know where they were deported to, when they were deported. And in many cases, we actually manage to get documentation to tell the family exactly what happened. And this is, this is another important thing because it, it, closes, it, it closes the issue for, for the Holocaust survivors to know exactly what happened. The, the doubt is, it is a problem for, for people. They, they like to know exactly what happened. Even if the news is not good news, it, it gives them closure. Yeah, and that's very important.
2: Now, did you have family from the Holocaust? My
5: grandparents were actually in Bergen-Belsen, but they survived. Yes. Huh.
2: Mm. Yeah. So, so I, I guess that gives you a special interest in uh, spe- and special fulfillment in in reuniting these people. Uh, yes, Leonia, my... why don't you tell Susan a little bit about your family, and and their journey and so on, and. Um, Maybe, uh, you know, I originally thought of having you both on because you talk about different perspectives of the Holocaust. But um, then it occurred to me, as, as uh, right before the show, that you might, uh, you might well be interested or be able to be helped by this service, this tracing department of Magenta Vita Dome. So why don't you tell Susan a little bit about your family?
3: Okay. Okay, Susan. Um yeah. so I'm so impressed with your story. it's so moving and it's so satisfying for you to do such where there's results positive results um, right, very i, satisfying. I um, uh, left Poland at the age of four uh, when Hitler came there, and we were a group of ten mm. that escaped together um the yeah. three generations my grandmother, my mother, and my sister and my bro- and my um father and um and my mother's brother and his family and they were they were they were all uh, related, and we escaped right. together and we stayed together for three years and uh eventually uh, through a quirk of fate we we ended up in Cape Town South Africa because my uncle got smallpox and we couldn't reach Brazil, where we had visas, mm. um, fake right. Christian papers. Uh, but that's another whole story. But what I would like, I would love, um, I, I had, a uh, my father had a sister in Poland uh, who immigrated to Palestine in the 1920s with her husband, and they opened okay. a clinic in um, uh, Tel Aviv, I think Korsaba, it was for poor people, yeah. and uh, she adopted a child, and then she got as she was. She had asthma. And the, I think mm-hmm. there were a lot of problems in Israel at the time. And she came back to Poland, can you imagine, in 1938. I'm... In oh, 1938, no. she comes back with her husband. The child remained in Israel. And uh, then I met her for the first time when I was three, and I loved her very much. And when we escaped from Poland, when Hitler uh, bombed uh, Poland,
2: mm-hmm.
3: her husband refused to leave and I never found out what happened to her. I've tried Yad Vashem. I've been looking for, oh God, so many years. And I still no. don't know what happened to her. And her name was Teresa and uh, Kutin, and uh, I've got some details about her. And mm. I would love to find out what happened to her. It, it, it moved me so much when you said that people need closure. They need to know what happened to these people that they lost. And then also, right, I had a governess so. that helped me, and I didn't know. Hello? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I didn't know. Um, uh, uh, I lost her. She was Roman Catholic, and she uh, she looked after me. I spent mm. all my time with her. And um, and she didn't come with us when we left Poland. And I don't know her last name. But I've advertised for her, and I would so love to, to find out what happened to her. She was like. I'm sure she, you care of me for four years and uh, I loved her very deeply
5: I'm sure you did but without her details it's going to be a bit
3: difficult to to, trace her perhaps Teresa and her husband
5: perhaps we can trace Teresa and her her husband I, I would definitely be willing to help um, yes. Can I suggest that you you put in a request to the Red Cross Society in in Los Angeles? You're in Los Angeles,
3: right? I think I have done that, and they haven't been able. I have done that. I know I have. I've done. I've tried to approach the Red Cross, but without any any success.
5: Okay, okay. Can I give you our our email address in Please. in yes. Tel Aviv? And if you send me all the details, we'll see what we can do. But in okay. general, I must stress that request from a board should come through the Red Cross but if you've tried it already and you haven't succeeded then please send me an email and I okay. will see what I can do okay. okay can you do you want to write it down
3: yes I've got a pin
5: okay it's
3: R-F-L R-S-L R-F
5: for restoring F for family fan. links no F for family R-F-L L yes for links uh, hyphen in the middle.
2: I-M-D-A.
5: I-M-D-A. G-A. I M D A.
3: I M D A. D A. Israel Magenda Vida Carol can't Dome. give you my email address. Yes, so I,
2: I have. I have know this what? email that she's I'll talking send, about. I'll send Carol v- it. Carol It stands for I'll restoring family links. Uh, R F L is restoring family links, and then it's dash I M D A Israel Magenda Vida Dome. I'll give you the whole address, no problem. That's very sweet of you, Susan. Okay, at
5: M-D-A-O-R-G-I-L, which I think, Carol, you have. Yes. And uh, we'll see what we can do for you. But it may take time. I have to warn you that we won't get answers immediately.
3: (laughs) Okay, I understand. understand. Okay, but I'll do my best for you. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. Okay, and you. (laughs)
2: So let's talk about. Uh, do you ever come, Susan? Do you ever come to uh, Los Angeles? Do you travel all over the world um, with this? No. Doing this? I've no, no, no. I, I
5: um, am actually doing some work in the archives at the International Red Cross in Geneva at the moment. Uh-huh. But I don't, I don't travel very much for for this work. I do it, most of the work through the computer. Yes. And on the phone. Um, but as I say, we have connections with so many archives and I really will, would like to, to help out in this case and see what we can do. But I need as many details as, as I can get, okay? I need Teresa's date of birth, place of birth, and her parents' names, whatever, whatever can, be, can be found
2: to help me. Yes. Okay?
3: Yes, I know all that, yeah.
2: Okay, fine, Okay. That's, fine. that sounds great. Okay, so we're going to take a break now and we'll be right back. Um, we just made a... Uh, maybe, maybe we found we're on our way to trying to uh, find Leonia's uh, relatives. Maybe. So. <laughs> we can that hope. That would be nice. <laughs> um, okay, so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Um, again, my guests. Um, are Leonia um, Kurgan, who is the author of a book called A Crowd of One about her family's journey during the Holocaust, and Susan Edel, who is a volunteer with um, Restoring Family Links in Israel, which is a part of, it's related, connected to the tracing department of Vida Dome in Israel. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
1: And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times, www.drcarol.com.
4: These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. VoiceAmerica.com
0: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the Holocaust, not a thing of the past for victims and their families. And um, my guests, uh, we've been hearing from Leonia Kalir kurgan She is a Holocaust survivor. She was only four when um, the Holocaust came to her doorstep in Poland, and she and her family had to flee, and they ended up in Cape Town, South Africa. And then she... Eventually ended up in Los Angeles, where she is a psychoanalyst and a psychodramatist in private practice in Santa Monica. She's also uh, ha- has been an interviewer for the Steven Spielberg Survivors of the Shoah Project. Why- we haven't talked about that. Why don't you tell us what that is, Leonia?
3: well it's an attempt to get to get all the testimonies all the people that 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 are in los angeles and um, um and get their story and um I interviewed about twenty twenty people and it was really very really sad stories and I was struck by how the survivors um uh, um described how how kind their parents were to them, and um, my situation was different in a way i mean the family we were a group of ten, and we were very close to each other but uh, uh, the grown ups in my life were very mean to each other they were not kind it didn 't bring out the best in them and My father was in a state of quite despair uh, at having to leave his beloved uh, poland and um, and he was the oldest in the family, but he didn't take... He wasn't the leader. My uncle was, who was much younger than him, and my father resented that. And, uh, and it's really strange. We were helped by... Uh, when, when, we, when we were... You know, we were refugees, so we had no money, and they helped us in Romania. We were there for two years, and um, uh, we got money from the Jewish uh, charities. And also... Uh, my parents um, and my grandmother had uh, and my aunt and my aunt had jewelry. so they sold diamonds and um, didn't get very much but it helped us to survive. And interestingly enough, I married a diamond dealer. and it's only recently that I sort of made the connection that I married a man um, who uh, was crazy about diamonds and that diamonds helped us survive in many mm. ways. Mm. <laughs> you know, and uh, it just was interesting to me. It took me a long time to piece it together.
2: Yes, that he represented security yes, <laughs> and something is. positive it in is. your life at the time. Yes. Uh, um. So, was, and so yes. Yeah, so these people. So you. These were. And I was saying earlier about how. This project was to create a narrative um, so that it would seem more real, to keep alive their stories, so that, uh, you know, to keep alive the, the sentiment, never forget, so that people in the world who want to forget or don't want to believe in the first place that the Holocaust happened. Yes, um, it's, it's, w- actual,
3: it's actually living proof of, of, of what happened. I mean, these stories are, are true. I mean, they, they, they are so they're
2: so pathetic that they have to be true, you know? Yes, yes. You know, um, Susan, before you came on, we were talking about the movie, uh, Zookeeper's Wife. Did you by any chance see that? Is that movie in Israel now? Did you see that? It's just come to Israel. I've read the book, though. Oh, <laughs> wow. Both of you are ahead of me. I, I just saw the movie recently and was just um, totally mesmerized by it. It was such a beautiful, uh, a beautiful story. Well, what did you think about it?
5: I think the story is amazing. So, uh, But uh, I read it some time ago, and I'm hoping to see the film soon.
2: The yeah.
3: film isn't as good because as the book.
5: <laughs> no film is as good as the book. No, no, no. no. Well, but, uh, it's well very the animals are story. exciting
2: to see on screen. <laughs> right, yes, <Yeah, laughs> Definitely. But I was talking before about how uh, the thing that struck me the most, I mean, besides, of course, the bravery of of the wife and of her husband, you know, of this couple in saving uh, the Jews who were in the camp... um, what struck me was something that they showed early in the movie, which was the bombing of the zoo. How first we saw the zoo on a beautiful day, and the uh, zookeeper's wife was riding around on a bicycle and welcoming everybody, and it was a happy time, and, and the animals were beautiful in their in a beautiful environment in their cages and all of that. And, uh, and then, of course, cut to, um, all of a sudden there are bombs going off from the Nazis. And what struck me the most was how it was, it became so clear in that moment that these were innocent animals, um, and, uh, and people, of course, walking around the zoo, but, but that the animals, you know, we, that the Nazis were more animals than the animals in the zoo. When you see it. Um, and think of that, and and you'll see what I mean. I mean, I'm sure that came through to some extent in the book too. But it's just very, well, very yes, startling. It, it,
3: it, 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 Carol, it reminds me of Art Spiegelman's book about um, the Holocaust, where he uh, uh, the 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 the, the, the um, mouse were the, the Jews, the poles were the pigs. No, the poles were the cats, and the Nazis were. Uh, wait, the Poles were the pigs and the Nazis were the cats and how he, you know, the metaphor for, for all of that. It, 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 it's a wonderful way to bring things to people's attention, the metaphor uh-huh. of the animals.
5: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I I agree and I, I think that it, it just reflects everything, how one minute everything yes. was perfect and good and everyone was living a, a peaceful life and then suddenly... Everything is all going. You know. Yes, yeah.
2: yes. Um, you know. Also, actually, I saw. I mean, it's kind of interesting that these things are coming out now. But because um, I'm very much into, and I've written books on terrorism, and of course, the whole way that that that's our modern Nazism is are the terrorists, uh, mm-hmm. modern Nazis, and um, there, I just saw a play called An American in Paris, I don't know if either of you have seen that or read that, or, but that takes place um, in, <laughs> in Paris, strangely enough, um, r- during the time or right after the time of the Holocaust. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, is it on at the moment in L.A.? It, it was. Now it's on in, in uh, Orange County. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I would recommend that as well. Susan, did you ha- ha- see that or I don't know if that's I haven't seen of- No, I haven't seen it no, either, I haven't seen it. but if it comes uh-huh. to
5: Israel, I'll certainly try and see it. Yes,
2: yes, it was wonderful. It was wonderful and mm. it does have that background mm. of World right. War II in it and yes. you know there's yes. a world disappearing. Yes, there's yeah. the beauty and then there's the ugliness behind it. Mm. Well, I want to make sure, uh, we're kind of coming to the end, and I want to make sure that I give people information. First of all, so everybody, when you're listening to this, get a pen or pencil. Of course, you can always replay it on the uh, on the Voice America website, on my show's page on the voiceamerica.com website, where you are now. Um, this will be up, a, 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 uh, the link to this show. You're hearing it live now, but it will be up as a link on the page. And, of course, you can hear this information. You can go back to it. But still, if you have a paper and a pencil or a pen, um, write this information down. First of all, write down Leonia's book. It's called A Crowd of One. And um, her name, again, is Leonia, L-E-O-N-I-A, uh, Kurgan, K-U-R-G-A-N. And Leonia a middle name, Yes, Kalir Kurgan, K-A-L-L-I-R, then Kurgan. Uh, a crowd of one, I really, I mean, it's rare that I will stay up all night reading a book because I have work to do the next day, but this was just, um, actually, it took me more than one night, but um, this was just an amazing, it's so beautifully written, you heard her read the introduction earlier in the show, and, um, and, and just the story, I mean, that's sort of the introduction to the story, but the story itself is, is just, uh, will just grip you, uh, it's a page turner, and, and you know now that she did come out. She is okay. Um, and, uh, and then also I want to, for Susan Edel, I want to give you some um, information because if you uh, were in the Holocaust, you had family in the Holocaust, you have had friends in the Holocaust, or you know people who had family or friends in the Holocaust and are, don't know the fate of them or would like to try to reconnect to see if there's somebody alive who they lost track of because of the Holocaust, then here is uh, the way that you can do it. First of all, as she was saying earlier, you should go to whatever country you're in that you're listening, that you live in and hearing this, uh, go to your local Red Cross because now the tracing department of Magenda Vida Dome is connected to the International Red Cross. So start out by going to your local Red Cross and um, saying that you want to trace this, these family members. Uh, Second of all, you can go to, um, you can go to the, connect to the International Tracing Service, and I'm going to give you uh, a website for them, and that is uh, the word trace, T-R-A-C-E, period, missing, M-I-S-S-I-N-G, dash, persons, at, I-T-S-I-N-G. As in uh, Israel, <laughs> T as in tracing, and S as in service, Israeli Tracing Service. Dash. A R O L S E N A R O L S E N. dot org. What is Susan? What is A R O L S E N? Arolson is is
5: where the international tracing service um headquarters are in Bad Arlson in northern Germany. Oh, I see. So Ar- huh. Yeah, Arlson is the name of the place. Huh, okay. It's a, it's a small town in, in northern Germany where, where they have the the biggest Holocaust archive in the world.
2: Wow. Hm. Yes. And then of yes. course um and then of course if worst comes to worst <laughs> if none of those things uh if none of those things work Um, We've already given out a way to contact Susan, so I might as well say it. Um, Again, RFL, that stands for Restoring Family Links, dash IMDA, Israel Magenda Vida Dome, which is the Israeli Red Cross, uh, at mda.org.il, and IL is the code for Israel. So, also... uh, If you would like to make a contribution, if you don't, perhaps, uh, if you're not looking for someone yourself or for someone you know, but you would like to, or if you've heard about this incredible work and you would like to contribute to it, you can make a contribution to Magenda Vida Dome. You can, of course, Google that. You can uh, make the contribution to the Israeli chapter, to the international chapter, to a chapter in your neighborhood. Of course, as I was saying, I'm on the board of the uh, Magenda Vida Dome chapter in Los Angeles, so you could contribute to them as well. (laughs) It goes to them. I don't get anything. (laughs) I don't get a penny. It goes to this wonderful, wonderful organization. The reason why I'm on the board is because I believe, as a physician, I believe in um, the work that, um, again, David Adom does. The only way that it provides for this work is through donations uh, through all over the world. And it provides ambulances, and it provides a blood bank. And actually, you know, it, it not only helps, it's, it's the Red Cross in Israel. It's not funded by Israel. It's only funded by donations. And it not only helps the people in Israel who need an ambulance, need blood, and it's not just for Jews, it's for all the people in Israel. And they also go all over the world whenever there's a disaster, like in Haiti or wherever you've heard of some kind of a, a disaster, and they, they are there and helping people, so it's not just, uh, it's not, it has no regard to what religion you are or what country you're from, they try to help everybody. So donations are, of course, always very much appreciated to support the work that Susan is doing, bringing these families together, and lots of other wonderful uh, things that they do. As I said, primarily, it started with the ambulances and then the blood, and um, just general, first responder assistance. And of course, in today's world, that is uh, increasingly being needed. So Leonia, uh, Kalir Kurgan, and um, Susan Edel, thank you both so much for contributing to this show. And hey, maybe I I would love to know. You'll have to keep me... Uh, um, Leonie will keep me updated whether in fact you were able to find out about the fate of her family and that would be of course a a wonderful uh, uh, outcome of this as well and thank you and thank you all for listening thank you very much you're very welcome and and thank thank you you for listening you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch and I'm your psychiatrist host Dr. Carol Lieberman